My name is Barbara Levin, Communication Assistant in the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support, and you are listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross and Red Crescent Movement working with mental health and psychosocial support services. Today, March 8th, is International Women's Day, a day we celebrate the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women around the world. It is also a day to reflect on the challenges that are still ahead of us in terms of providing more opportunities for women globally and ultimately reaching gender equality. Therefore, I have asked Nena Vulman to join me for a conversation about women and leadership. Nena has worked for the Red Cross movement for more than 20 years, and since 2006, she has been the director of the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. Welcome to the podcast, Nena. I would like to start by asking you, how did you start working for the Red Cross Red Crescent movement? Uh, thank you for that question, Barbara. Um, uh, I've been thinking back to how how it actually happened that I started here, and that's quite relevant for our discussion today, because I was, you can't say I was headhunted, but I was asked to apply for a position because that I was already um, connected to a woman who worked in the Red Cross. Uh, she actually had the position that I have today, and she had heard that I was really interested in what happened and how could you work with psychosocial support in the Red Cross. I had no idea. But then at some point she sent me a booklet about psychological first aid and said there was an open position and they thought I should apply for the position. And that's what I done. What I did. I was quite hesitant because, uh, to be quite honest, I didn't know what the Red Cross was apart from that they collected money and that they had been active during the Second World War, but I didn't know very much. But of course I knew the emblem, but... It was actually the personal connection to another woman that made me apply. And she was the one who suggested to her boss, who was also a woman, that they invite me in. Okay. And um, did you have a come from a psychological background or a psychology background before that? Yes. So I'm a trained psychologist and I have specialized in psychotrauma and uh, psychotraumatic uh, experience. Uh, experiences and besides from that I had also worked a lot with volunteer organizations uh, and what was very kind of uh, attractive for me about working with the Red Cross and also uh, this uh, booklet that I got about psychological first aid was that I saw the work that is being done in the Red Cross as a little bit like it's a way to bring psychology and psychological knowledge out to kind of a much wider audience. The thought of first Denmark, the whole Denmark, of the whole of Denmark, and then uh, globally was really attractive to me because that it's so, it's so expensive to see a psychologist, so it's not just for everybody. So I thought if you can break down some of this knowledge and make it like uh, available to people, then they can start helping themselves and each other. And bringing out in uh, humanitarian settings, like you said, where it's least accessible, and, and this is definitely a fantastic way to provide it for them and, and provide professional help for the people who really need it the most. 
Yes, and you know, I was used to that uh, if something was wrong and people kind of uh, suffered from uh, like depression or anxiety, they had to see a psychologist maybe for years before they really started mm-hmm. feeling better. But I saw some really kind of simple tools that could help quickly. And of course, it wasn't enough for everybody. But for some, it was also like empowering people to kind of take more control over their own mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. And also bringing uh, light on the importance of mental health for for people to recognize it in across different cultures as well. Yeah, that wasn't really on my mind in the beginning. It was mm-hmm. actually more the fact that you could break down psychology into into smaller elements that were yeah. kind of uh, that you could make available. Because in the beginning, I mostly met people who were interested. Of course, they didn't know so much about the big picture, but it was like there was really a kind of a hunger for some of this knowledge. Yeah. We'll move on a bit to focus on Women's International Day here. So I'll go on by asking, um, did you always have the aspiration to pursue a leadership position? And did you have any possible female role models that inspired you throughout your career? Maybe if it's okay with you, I would like to go back a bit further yeah, because uh, I, I actually I was quite uh, I was quite involved in the women's liberation movement uh, when I was younger. So when I was seventeen years old, I joined the first women's group uh, in school, and later I also became quite active and. Uh, I was kind of familiar with a lot of ways that you can interact with other women. But uh, in the beginning, I didn't think about uh, leadership or becoming a director or the boss. I was more kind of interested in the whole vision of uh, giving women a voice and helping them to help each other. It was only a bit later uh, that I started um, kind of not thinking about being a leader I was much more uh, passionate about being able to influence things and being able to take things to scale. So I really, I had a lot of visions and uh, over time I just saw that the more you kind of, the more decision-making power you have, the more you can also kind of um, pursue your vision. Yeah. Yeah. So your your position came more, or leadership position came more naturally, but... Um through such actions. Um, But did you have any women or that supported you along the way? Now, like you said before, that's how you got your job here at the Red Cross. But did you sense that throughout your career where you were supporting each other to... Lots of support, but not many uh, directors or kind of formal leaders, maybe informal leaders. But we had the system in the Red Cross that... Every year we had like an interview with our boss and my boss was a woman as well. Mm. And I talked to her about my, I I began to get these aspirations. I wanted to have to gain more influence. So I discussed it with her how to kind of uh, move up in the system. And we discussed like uh, career development and uh, how to pursue those goals And she said to me, yes, if that's what you want, then you really have to go for it. Then you have to work on it. Mm, Yeah. That's so, so I decided that I wanted to do that. 
And uh, but it was not until I got the position that I have now that I got uh, a director's position. I also I was suffering a bit from something that is quite I think common for women. I I didn't think I could do it. I wanted to, but I didn't think I was good enough. And I was always afraid of being exposed as like uh, not good enough. Someone calling my bluff, you can say, uh, which I think is really uh, quite normal. But um, what happened was then that uh, in Denmark we had the first prime minister, and before she became the prime minister, she said, "I can do this. I can beat the male prime minister that we had before." And I thought, okay, if she can say that, I can say it as well. I will go for this position. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that kind of brings me on to the next question, where in your experience. Are female leaders different, and in the sense where maybe they have to be more authoritative in in their stance and their confidence? Um, you say that you went through these common challenges of doubting yourself, perhaps. So, what kind of challenges do you think are unique to female leaders in this context? Maybe we have to distinguish between like the internal, like or. Like the the challenges that are related to how I perceive myself, and then the the challenges related to kind of a, uh, being someone else's boss. So I think in turn, like my personal doubts were of course kind of a bit of a challenge to me because they also make me. Um, yeah, sometimes I got quite nervous, and I always felt that I had to practice a lot and um, I didn't feel so supported as soon as I got the position it was just like I was pretty much on my own um, I didn't really feel that I had to be more authoritative so I came into the position and uh, actually what happened was that uh, everyone in my team they were all women and I think that what I practiced was that uh, every. Everyone in the team should have the opportunity to speak. Everyone should be listened to. With, uh, there should be space for all of us. And uh, I always practice that we take a round, for example, so to make sure that everybody is heard. But on the other hand, I also knew that uh, it's not enough to be like open and welcoming to people's thoughts and ideas. You also have to deliver. So on the other hand, I was also a bit strict. So if if a team member didn't do what we had agreed, I would be a little bit like, what? You didn't do it? Uh, and then, then I really wanted people to do, like, really, we need to walk the talk here. So if we say something, then we do it. And if we do something, then we have to talk about it. So, uh, But I think, um, actually, it's a bit the other way around. If you're too authoritative as a female leader, you will be criticized. There's a lot of research on, on that. And it seems that women, female leaders, are more often criticized for being too tough. It's just like it doesn't really fit with the expectations that you... Kind of as a female leader, you are softer in a sense. Yeah. So you would say that uh, the challenge is finding a balance between both giving your uh, colleagues a voice, but also being authoritative to to deliver, like you said. Yes, and then in addition to that, working for an organization like the Red Cross, you never have 
the resources that you would like to have. So sometimes you also have to kind of put a bit of pressure on people or you have to do things in a more superficial way than you would like. And then you just have to get it done, although it's not 100% quality all the time. That is really a challenge. I mean, uh, the the resources that we have to work with. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of moving on here then, uh, talking about challenges and finding this balance in, in your field of work, um, and also working for the Red Cross, what kind of challenges have you faced during the COVID-19 pandemic, both as a leader, as a woman, um, whichever direction you would like to take that in? So, oh, that, I think we, we faced a lot of challenges, and I also did personally. Like, uh, I think uh, the first challenge that I faced was, like, uh, uh, that I didn't feel that I mastered all the digital s- solutions that we had to use. So in the beginning, I really felt kind of that I kind of disabled because that I wasn't able to set up the meetings the right way, make the video work. Uh, that was a bit of like uh, humiliating for me in the beginning uh, because I was also the boss. So I thought that I, I would have wanted to be much better at that. Then for the team, I could see lots of challenges because we had two pregnant women, we had staff with little children at home, we had a lot of stress and a lot of um, kind of um, not being able to deliver and uh, yeah, it was just so hard for my staff. And we also have, in the PS Center, we have several staff from abroad. So they were living in Denmark and uh, they were more isolated because some of them were on their own. And I was quite worried about how they would kind of uh, cope the situation. Mm. What I did was that I actually set up daily little meetings where we just kind of checked up on each other to make sure that people were coping and uh, that they were okay and uh, also I could see that the team really supported each other so if someone was feeling ill then someone else shopped for them and uh, lots of really really heartwarming support went on uh, during especially the first phase last year yeah absolutely i think that transition uh going virtually applies for many people out there and especially in a workplace um i think it underlines the importance of showing more support than just uh uh, work work wise showing support for your colleagues mentally as well is is extremely important throughout unpredictable times like this Mm -hmm. um which kind of leads to the next question of um Supporting women and supporting each other and your colleagues in general, this shouldn't exclude men and women, but do you have any advice for young women who aspire to pursue leadership positions? I would probably have many, a lot of things to say. First of all, I would say that you have to kind of make up your mind and the earlier you make up your mind, Uh, that you want to pursue such a position, the better, because then you can actually kind of climb up the ladder from a a younger age, and that makes it easier. Uh, 
it's also really a good idea to kind of get some training uh, to study leadership because there are so many aspects and actually over time you find out that uh, maybe you're good at something but not at other things. Maybe there's something about uh, the power issues that you need to work on or you need to know about how you structure work and how you coach people. It depends on who you are, but it's a good idea to study. Not only think that this will come natural. Um, and it is also, unfortunately, it's also important to work hard. I think for some reason you have, I mean, it's it's just important to understand that it's not just something that happens. You have to kind of, um, it's a struggle sometimes. And uh, it's good to be willing to go the extra mile. I mean, uh, there are lots of things that could be done uh, that would make it easier to climb the career ladder. And um, I mean, we have many expectations uh, and uh, towards our staff. And for example, uh, if it was okay both for male and female staff to kind of leave early when they have to pick up their kids or if it was more normal that men would take as long maternity leave as women then it would be easier but the way things are I think it's very very important also that you choose a partner who is actually willing to also support you uh, in your career uh, work kind of because uh, because it is very time-consuming and I see many women kind of when they get their first child and the second child and the third, then maybe it's, it just becomes too complicated to pursue the career ambitions that they had. Women's network are also extremely important because it is just very often so that women will point at women if they uh, want to recruit a leader, or if, I mean, it's just like the men's club, there's also sometimes a women's club, but not as often. But that is, that is really uh, the best advice to kind of spend time with women who work with leadership. Yeah. There's also in the Red Cross, there is a group of women, uh, it's a group called Glow Red for women women that are aspiring to become leaders and also you can also ask for a mentor in that uh, network yeah as a as a young woman myself i uh i think a lot about how to pursue leadership roles and as you said there's loads of aspects to consider first there's um developing a skill and knowledge uh in your particular field i can imagine and then there's also as you said um developing a certain openness to reflect on yourself and your management skills and the impact that your words and actions have on your employees and your colleagues. Um, and then, like you said, also uh, finding a supportive partner. I can imagine that's part of breaking down the barriers of being a female is is you're the one to carry the baby in your womb. And then when you give birth, it's you really have to break down those traditional roles and have a supportive partner I can imagine so and you kind of touched on it but um supporting young like 
how can young women support each other in pursuing these leadership positions? And, and we're not just talking like you were recruited for the Red Cross. Maybe if you have a colleague who's not necessarily your leader, but how would you suggest that they can support each other in, in everyday work situations? Talk yeah. <laughs> and, and be open and uh, kind of share uh, with each other what is challenging, what would you do, how can I do this better, uh, how can, who should I talk to. It's really about enabling each other to kind of overcome challenges and insecurity and go for it. I mean, you really need some someone to say, yes, you can do it, go for it. But I think it's really important with these uh, kind of also informal networks and groups of like-minded uh, and uh, there are quite a number of uh, for example in Denmark where I live you can join a group of uh, women who would like to become leaders yeah absolutely creating a network mm. because it's very like you said yeah so uh, at least to the last question so after a long career as a female leader working for an international organization. How do you see the future for global gender equality? I think it's actually going very slow. I mean, if you look at Denmark, where we live, it's not, uh, it's kind of going back. Uh, there's less equality now than there was some years ago. And uh, if I look at uh, the the global uh, organization, our Red Cross movement, I mean, we still have male uh, secretary generals, for example. So, I mean, we are not there yet. Um, I think we can get there, but it, I'm surprised that it doesn't go any faster. And I would really hope that it does. And I think it's also good now we have seen a lot of focus also with the Me Too um, campaign and the many things that has happened but I think there's actually still a long way to go. We really have to fight to get there. We have to support each other to get there. Yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like two steps forward, one step back kind of situation. But the media plays a big role. So I hope that can create more networks like we talked about, especially virtually considering these COVID times to bring women together however possible. Yeah. Well, I think that is it, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, Nana? No, yeah, maybe uh, one thing that I didn't really get to say before is that sometimes uh, it it seems that women have to sacrifice uh, their family life to get a career. You can see in many Asian countries that is happening and you can also see the ratio of women that get children uh, when they're also leaders, it's uh, lower than uh, for men. So there is really some inequality there and some big sacrifices that are not fair. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, thank uh, you. It was a pleasure to uh, reflect on all of this together with you. Of course. Thank you for everything. Thank you. You have been listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. Today, on International Women's Day, I have been talking to Nena Vilmen about women and leadership in light of her long career with the Red Cross Red Crescent Movement.
You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Psychosocial Center website. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, program materials, educational videos, and information about upcoming trainings. My name is Barbara Levin, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast episode. Remember that mental health matters.